This is Banks and Commentary. I'm your host, Candace Banks, and welcome back hey, to the show. Today, we're going to have Sania from Finance, who's going to be talking to us about how she paid over $23,000 in debt off in just one year, and also how she's traveling the world, get this, y'all, for free. So she has some great advice on building a community of people around you who are going to build you up and help push you towards your financial goals, and also how you can travel hack with credit cards and some of these loyalty programs. Now, this is a great episode for those of you who want to travel the world and live life while also pursuing your financial goals. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. It's okay if you have to kind of create a tribe of people outside of your like immediate circle or your friends and family um, to get to to the goals that you have for yourself. Hey, Sanaa, how are you doing today? Hello, how are you? I am doing well. I'm doing well. We have Fly Nance herself on the show today, and I am so 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 excited. Um, so how how you just moved to Tulum? So how has Tulum been treating you? The move to Tulum has been amazing. I really couldn't have asked for a better move overall. Everything has been so smooth. And um, I think it's really been a good realization for me that I'm in perfect alignment with everything that I want and deserve and that good things will continue to happen. Oh, man, that's so good. And we're watching you and we're rooting for you. So thank you so much, Sunia, for like the the inspiration and the information that you've been providing us. So we appreciate it. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, who Sunia is and AKA Finance and what your brand is for people who like really don't know? Yeah. So, hey everyone, this is Sunia of Finance. I'm a 26 year old debt-free travel and financial freedom content creator, educator, and speaker. And I'll be honest, finance came to me as an idea back in 2018. So we got to rewind back to really understand my <laughs> Take us story, on the right? journey. Okay. Back then, I was someone who really struggled with spending. I just overspent. It was kind of like I just didn't really know how to manage my money responsibly. So I was at a place in my life where I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was making a quote unquote great salary in New York City and had nothing to show for it. No savings. I was not building well. I was pretty much just in a vicious cycle of paying my bills, not having enough money left over, and then living off of, pay, uh, living off of credit cards rather until I got paid again. And it was such a struggle that I did not want to keep living. At the same time, I was still traveling. I was taking trips and anytime <laughs> a friend would be like, hey girl, you want to go here? I would be like, yeah, of course, I'll just pay on my credit card, right? Yeah. And it was funny how every time I would take a trip, of course, this is before I started a separate brand or a page or anything, people would be in my DMs on my personal page asking me, how are you affording to do this? How can I do this? How can I travel like you? Mm -hmm. So I really started to see that there was a voice missing. There was mm -hmm. a voice missing around how to affordably travel. Granted, I wasn't a financially savvy traveler, but I was picking up on things that were helping me reduce the cost of my travel gotcha. that I guess I took for granted that other people didn't know. At the same time in 2018, I learned about FIRE, Financial Independence Retire Early. 
And that literally lit a fire. Yes, that literally <laughs> lit a fire underneath of me to say, wow, I have an opportunity to be one of the first people in my family to build generational wealth. I feel like I can do this. Like it just is going to require me to get disciplined and get consistent. So Mm -hmm. finance in an essence was the birth child of those two ideas this idea of talking about affordable travel ways to save money on travel and also wanting to elevate the conversation especially for millennials of color like us Mm -hmm. to actually build wealth and I didn't really see anyone out there talking about those two worlds together right I felt like I followed a lot of travel bloggers and influencers Mm -hmm. who had all these beautiful pictures and never talked about money never talked about the real cost of travel And on the other hand, I followed amazing content creators in the debt-free community and personal finance community who, for whatever reason, didn't really encourage people to live their best lives even as they were figuring out their money and paying down debt. So long story short, that was how finance came to be. In 2019 is when I really started hankering down on my own personal finances, working with a financial coach, working on my first budget. Um, and really started making those strides towards a more financially healthy life. Um, Then in 2020, I felt like I was at a place where, okay, I've been living on a budget. I kind of understand what that feels like. I feel like I can become debt-free. This is going to help me accelerate my personal pathway to fire. So January 2020, I said to myself, I'm going to pay off all of my debt. I had added up all my totals and I had over $23,000 of debt across credit cards, personal loans, and student loans. And I just said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Of course, I had no idea the pandemic was going to happen. I had no idea that travel was going to come to a screeching halt, but I stayed consistent. And here I am today with a community over 25,000 people strong. um, And it's been an incredible journey to show other Black women, show other millennials that we deserve the best out of life and we can get it. We don't have to put that off until quote unquote retirement. We can do some of those things now and still be in a position to put ourselves and our family, give them a leg up than than we may have had. So that's me in a nutshell. Again, I am Sunia of Finance and I'm so excited for this episode. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you hit on some of the things that we we have to dive a little bit deeper into. So you talked about, you know, you were an overspender. Then you in 2018, 2019, you got with a financial coach. Um, You learned about the fire movement. So um, how did that journey look for you? The journey to getting good with money. um, What did that process look like in that, you know, maybe one or two year time frame for you? Yeah, so I will first caveat by saying getting good with money also required me doing deep work on myself, Mm. emotionally, spiritually, going to therapy, working with a life coach, right? I think we often think about our personal finance and our money almost in a vacuum. Mm. But actually, oftentimes how we see money, how we think about money, the abundance that we claim really has to do with other parts of our life too. So I was an an overspender because I wasn't dealing with some of the traumas that I had been through. I wasn't dealing with some of the like emotional instability that I felt. And generally I really didn't feel worthy of a life of wealth, right? I had to work on myself to be in a position where I could say, I can stick to this budget because I'm worthy of, of a life without financial struggle, right? Like all of those things are kind of layered together. So, um, the journey definitely, you know, it, 
it feels like it wasn't a long time, but in the moment, it felt like every single day just required me to show up, right? To show up for myself. Um, And that's not to say that I was perfect, right? We're all human. Um, There were definitely times when I made missteps. There were definitely times where um, I struggled, but it was really about kind of keeping that end goal in mind, right? That, you know, I'm not doing these things just to become debt-free, just to like say I'm debt-free, but really because I want to build wealth, right? Mm, And I want to be one of the first people in my family to retire early, to retire a multimillionaire, right? Um, So that really kept me going. And I will also say that my journey was definitely facilitated by the fact that there's such an incredible community, especially of Black women creators in personal finance on Instagram. So, so many other women I could look to for inspiration, for advice, right? Even if we were all in different places in terms of our our money and our debt totals, Mm -hmm. just all of us, you know, in so many ways, they became my money community. They became my money family, right? I couldn't always talk to close friends and family about what I was going through and what, you know, what struggles I was facing, but I could hit up my sisters on Instagram who, you know, could either talk me off that ledge or give me great solid advice or, you know, just be in community with me as we're kind of all doing this together. So, um, so yeah, I would definitely say the getting good with money looks like having that support system, even if they aren't people that are like close to you or maybe man in real life. Okay. So (laughs) so many of my IG sisters, we have been in community for over a year and many of them I have never met in person, but (laughs) you're not going to tell me anything differently about like our bond and our sisterhood. Right. 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 Um, it's, and it also, yeah, go ahead. you can still make that connection, like virtually yeah, the, right. you talked about like community and then the self-work. First of all, community mm. is so important to keep you, like you said, that why and having those people around you that was like, look, girl, we remember what we said we were, we were going to save, or you have those people around you who are like, you know, you are on this journey and I'm here to help you in whatever way necessary. And you know, that's so, that's so great. That's so great. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) Such good stuff. Yeah. And the, you talked a little bit about paying off the 20, over $23,000 in debt. Um, And you did that in one year. Um, So you talked about having community, having, you know, the, that personal journey that you went through. Um, How did you really create that plan for paying off the debt in such a, a quick amount of time? Yeah. So um, when it came to my debt payoff journey, right, like I said, all of 2019, I was working with a financial coach. So I was really starting to kind of understand my money, understand, okay, based on my paychecks, where can my money go? So I was, I was starting to chip away at my debt, but 2020 was when I said, I'm going to get aggressive about really knocking all of this debt down. So I will say that the plan didn't really necessarily materialize overnight. It was something that I was working on, but it was about how do I step up the amount that I can actually pay to my debt every month, right? Mm. So what that really looked like was first me claiming that I needed more money. I was already (laughs) a high earner before I started my debt payoff journey, but I knew to not really kind of have to drastically change my lifestyle, I needed more money. And I didn't feel ashamed in saying that, right? Mm-hmm. So I just put it out to the universe to say, <laughs> I don't know how it's going to happen, but more money is coming my way. And when I tell you a couple weeks later, a casual conversation with, with someone who 
I'm in an alum network with turned into, you know, an invitation to apply for a new role, which turned into an offer that increased my salary by over $30,000. So what? literally, so, wow. so much of that money um, that I got in terms of my salary bump, um, I didn't ingest my lifestyle. I put that towards debt, right? Um, mm. I will also say it was a blessing and a curse <laughs> that COVID happened when it did, right? I was um, only about two and a half months into my debt payoff journey and here everything mm. comes to a screeching halt, right? So I didn't have those same temptations that I had anymore around like getting the Starbucks every day on my way to work, right? Because mm. I wasn't commuting. I wasn't putting money towards like, you know, my monthly commuting costs. I wasn't, you know, th there just weren't as many opportunities to even spend money. Right. So it became a, it became a lot easier for me to really focus my discipline. I will also say as related to my student loans, the CARES Act being signed into law in March mm. really helped, right? So for those that don't know, if you have federal student loans or loans that are serviced by the Department of Education, student loans that are serviced by the Department of Education, your loans are not being charged the interest and they haven't yeah. been charging interest since March 15, 2020. So yeah. that was huge for me, right? I had over $10,000 of student loan debt, right? And my interest rate was like 5.3%. So it wasn't like super high, but, but still, right? Since I graduated from grad school, those loans were just accumulating more interest than I was paying down every month. So right. to have interest forbearance was huge for me. I was super aggressive about paying that down. And if you remember in 2020, right, Senate kept pushing the date back, right? So at yes. first it was September 30th. So I was like, oh, I need to hustle. I don't want, I want to, I want to have as little debt as possible. Mm -hmm. Then when it got extended to December 30th, I'm like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I'm going to be done with my student loans <laughs> by then, right? So even now, like the fact yeah. that we're in 2021 and there's still student loan forbearance, I would say if anyone is listening and wants to get, and wants to pay down their debt, don't forget that that's like such an easy way to just put all of your money towards your principal and start paying that down. So, um, and then the one other thing that I haven't mentioned just around my plan was really sticking to a payoff method. So uh, good. folks may have heard about the debt snowball method, which is, you know, focusing on that smallest debt and kind of working up with momentum, the debt avalanche method, which is really focusing on your highest interest debt and working your way down. I decided to focus on the debt snowball method, right? Because I didn't really have a ton of high interest debt. I consolidated a bunch of my credit card debt um, mm -hmm. onto like 0% APR balance transfer. So I was just about paying the balances, right? Let yes. me start from the smallest balance and work my way up. And then when it kind of got to the end of the road, I just was kind of like aggressively paying down as much as I could. So, so that's really what my debt payoff plan looked like. It really just looked like being consistent, sticking with a payoff method, uh, claiming and finding ways to make more money either through my job. And then of course I grew a business um, and really taking advantage of being informed about even some of the, uh, you know, some of the support that came out of coronavirus relief. That's good. That's good. You, you talked about that first step of just putting it out, putting it out there in the universe, putting it yes. out. You talked a little bit about too, um, when you wanted to get better with money, you had to first make the realization like, Hey, I want to get better with money. So starting with first, you know, putting it out there that this is what I want to yeah. do. And then going from there. And it seems like everything has been panning out pretty well for you, uh, do, sticking to the plan that you have. So that's, that's awesome. That's 
That's awesome. So tell me something while you were saving, were you also investing in traveling or were you just putting everything towards saving? Oh, when I was paying down my debt? You mean? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. So when I was paying down my debt, yes, I was also investing and I was also saving for travel. So gotcha. I felt okay. like I was really hopefully showing people that it is possible. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, I'm saying everyone can do what I do. I'm acknowledging that I'm a high earner. And as a black woman, that makes me an anomaly in the United States. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, really first starting from that very square one, even before I ever thought I was going to pay all my debt off in one year, working with a financial coach really helped me because when we sat down and kind of talked about my goals, he helped me realize that I did have other ways of kind of flowing my money into different accounts. So mm -hmm. that's how I kind of started moving towards a money management system, which I consider my money map where I have multiple accounts mm -hmm. depending on my financial goals. So before I started this like my personal <laughs> finance journey, all my money would flow into one account, right? If I was investing, you know, that was kind of separate, but like the bulk of my paycheck was going into one account. So it was very hard for me to mm -hmm. be intentional about working towards multiple goals at once because all my money was flowing into one place, right? I didn't have mm -hmm. visibility or mm -hmm. clarity on where my money was really going. Mm -hmm. Once I started to set up different accounts, so I created different savings accounts, right? So mm -hmm. one for travel for my travel fund one for like a gift sinking fund, right? Because I would always get to Christmas and then realize I had no money to buy people <laughs> gifts. But like, it happens. you know, it like happens. why not just save over the year, right? <laughs> um, and then also during my debt payoff journey, having two checking accounts. So I had one checking account that was kind of like um, what I allowed myself to spend every month that was variable. So like if I wanted to go to the nail salon, if I wanted to like beauty grooming, eating out groceries, like I gave myself a fixed amount, right? So by only having that money flow to that checking account, I couldn't spend more than what was there, right? So that really <laughs> helped me as someone who was a recovering overspender. That also meant that the bulk of my paycheck after, you know, I cut money into my emergency fund, into other savings, um, chopped off the top for investing in terms of like that pre-tax money to my employer-sponsored 401k. That meant that the bulk of my money went into one account for my bills and my debt. So mm -hmm. I also use a zero-based budget. So that meant that mm -hmm. when I was allocating my money to everything, I wanted to get to zero. So if I had any money left over in my bill account after I pay my bills, all of that would go to debt. I, I would literally not even allow myself to spend it in any other way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it is absolutely possible to, to invest and save and travel while you're paying off debt. And I think that for me, it was also a thing where I was okay that it took me a little bit longer to pay off my debt. I'll be honest. If I had been like super gazelle intense, if anyone like <laughs> has heard that term, it's like very Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Um, I probably could have paid off my debt like in, in less than 10 months. I mean, I'll yeah. be really honest. Um, but like at what at what cost, right? I wouldn't have been mm, able to good. travel. I wouldn't have been able to feel like I had a life, right? It was already enough just surviving the pandemic, right? Mm. So I really felt like I wanted to give myself space in my budget to also do the things that I love, right? I knew mm. that I wasn't going to stay consistent with a super aggressive financial plan that wasn't going to allow me to do anything else, but just like pay my bills and pay off my debt. No, that was, I knew that just wasn't going to work for me. So um, so yeah, it absolutely is possible. Just requires again, a plan and really a system for your money, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that like 
depending on how much you make, you're going to be able to, you know, save $50,000, pay off $30,000 of debt and also take three vacations, right? But it does mean that like, maybe you can do a little of something, right? That, so that when you get to the end of the year, you look back and realize, wow, I, I actually got a lot done. Yeah, that's good. And in not stopping your life, you know, to, yes. <laughs> to but make sure you're, you're smart about it. And I think a lot of times in the um, fire community, sometimes we get so stuck on getting the debt paid off, investing, getting to the retirement point that once we get to the right retirement point, we're like, okay, so what <laughs> now, what, now, what, what do I do? Or I look back and, you know, it wasn't, was it worth it? Or what did I give up in return? It is going to be worth it. But uh, being able to kind of live your life while doing that is so is so awesome and so good to hear from people as well. So I love that. It's critical. Yeah, yeah. it's critical. And I think especially as people of color, it is something that we have to center, right? Our lives Mm -hmm. are way too precious and way too short to only focus on the financial side of it, right? Um, And I think that was definitely something that that I learned in 2020, right? Like to really not take my life for granted, right? And and to really make space and time for the things that I want to do, right? Because you know, 2020 was so devastating. Like I lost family members. I wasn't even expecting mm-hmm. to lose. Right. Um, just, just, there was so much loss throughout mm-hmm. the world that it, that it really made me rethink, okay, if I'm going to be on this financial journey, I have to also do the things I, I don't want to ever get to a point in my life where I've regretted anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that, that's also why I feel very much like it's my duty as a black woman creator to inspire other black women to not put our lives on hold until we get to, you know, whatever milestone, because it's not just financial, right? Right, A lot of us will put off our lives until we feel like we have a, you know, a partner until we feel like Mm -hmm. we've lost enough weight until we feel like, you know, whatever it is. And I just don't believe that that's how we should live our lives. Yeah, for sure. If anything, 2020 has brought like that perspective shift on what is really important, what we want out of life. And, you know, just being able to, like you said, you're, you're a content creator who's showing that and have a platform to do so. It, it, it's, it's definitely so inspiring. So <laughs> thank you for all that you do yeah. there too. Um, and also in this journey, you talked about, we just talked a little bit about, um, you know, that perspective shift. Um, what was the hardest part of kind of paying off the debt in 2020 and sticking to that plan that you'd created? I think the hardest part for me personally was being consistent and being diligent, um, right? Because remember, I was someone who never, up until that point, ever made that kind of like drastic commitment to my finances, right? I was someone who was an overspender. I was someone who lived off of credit cards, right? So for me, just being consistent for 12 months on the same plan and, and keeping that goal in mind that was definitely the hardest part, right? Like mm. it wasn't hard in terms of like finding ways to make extra money. It wasn't hard in terms of like figuring out the numbers and making the numbers work. It was literally hard just saying every single day, this is top of mind for me. Mm. Um, and I am going to keep myself committed to this, even if, you know, there's no one again, and my close friends or family that's also on this journey with me. So Um, So that was definitely the hardest part. I will say having the platform with finance 
helped because I started documenting my journey mm. in ways that people became began to expect to see updates, right? So I remember there were a couple months where maybe I didn't like, I didn't post like right on time or right at the end of the month. And like, I would have like friends and people <laughs> DM me like, where is that? Where is that, girl? Okay. <laughs> Where's where the debt payoff? Like, yes, hold me accountable. So, so that definitely held me accountable. Um, and that's what I think is like, so, you know, so humbling about how much finance has grown because it literally started as me just sharing my journey, right? I, I did not start finance and, and the Instagram account around finance thinking I'm going to become influencer and do all these things. It was just like, I just want to, you know, show people how I'm paying off my debt and I want to talk about traveling and, and yeah, but, but I think as my journey continued to like mature, I think I did start to, to see that other people were finding value in what I was saying, even if it was just like, wow, watching you do this shows me that I can do it too. So, um, so yeah, it, uh, that definitely helps for, for accountability sake. Yeah. And it, and it's so good too. And how transparent you are. And I remember reading one of your mm. posts, you're like, Oh, this is kind of hard for me to post like my, yeah. you know, like investments and stuff like that, but, um, you're doing it. And just to have that accountability is definitely helpful. I'm curious too, from you, um, how did you start to grow, uh, financed and how did that look for you? Did, I think you started maybe 2018, right? Do I have that right? Or 2019? So I actually, I started the page in 2019, but I will say I was not consistent with it. I had to <laughs> working on myself, okay, uh -huh. to, to feel like I was worthy of, of that. But um, January 2020 is when I really started. I had like under 100 followers in January 2020. So wow. yeah, it's been a short time that this page has, wow. From, has grown, definitely. From under 100 to 25,000, over 25,000. That is in a year. That's insane. Yeah. How, how did you go about doing that? Yeah. I feel like people just kind of took to, you had a very unique niche, but how did, how did that growth look for you? I mean, I'll be honest at first, it was literally um, just black women amplifying wow. my work, amplifying my work, collaborating with me. Um, you know, like a month into my page being live, I was like collaborating with other creators like Jeteria of Debt Free Travel Journey. We started Black Wealth Month in February 2020. Wow. So this is a month into me having a page. And we just wow. decided, oh, we should like talk about these things, reach out to other people we follow, um, right? But, you know, that doesn't always necessarily lead to followers. But mm -hmm. I think that it, it helped me find my community, right? So I think through and through, Black women, my audience of Black women, um, they've been central to, to everything that I've done. Uh, and then I think as I just continue to grow my page, I think I just, I think I started to learn for myself, like how to create content for me that people want to share, that people like to see, right? Can't say that everything that I've made has been incredible. It hasn't. <laughs> um, but I think also just like, you know, being consistent with, being consistent with, um, with posting, I think also was how I even got more comfortable with like creating, creating on the fly and, and kind of. Um, even just creating a visual identity for myself so that, you know, when people see my posts, like they know that it's from finance versus any other account. Um, 
And then also just investing in myself and in my business, right? Investing in different software to make the load easier on me, investing in courses where I learned other ways that people were growing accounts, right? Investing in social media, social media managers, just to kind of like learn other things. Right. I, I don't tout myself as an expert at all. It's definitely, I'm just, what I am is someone who never is unafraid to invest in people that I feel like I can learn from so that I can take those things and apply them to me. Right. So I, I think a lot of people, especially when you're thinking about a lot of people thinking about growing an Instagram account, think that like, Oh, I can just like DIY everything. I can figure out everything. But like, yeah, you could do that, or you could start to lean on other experts who have receipts, mm. and, you know, start just applying the things that they share, the things that they've created and apply that to your own work. So it, it was also that too. That's good. The show receipts, you've said a word for me personally, because anyone who knows me uh, personally knows that I hate spending money. I hate spending mm-hmm. money. I will try to DIY it until I can't. Um, so that was, mm. that was a word for me to invest in people who have the receipts and to make the load a little bit easier on yourself. So you can focus on the things that you really are good at. So, um, that's, Absolutely. that's a word for me. You've said something there. You said something <laughs> there. <laughs> and you talked about a community, right? You, the people yes. that are surrounding you are not only, you know, interested in personal finance, they're also interested in traveling. So this you're right now yeah. living the dream in Tulum, um, but you talk a lot on your page about travel hacking. So how did you start mm-hmm. travel hacking? Yeah, so travel hacking, for anyone who's listening that doesn't know, it is pretty much the art and a little science of offsetting the cost of your travel with travel reward points or any type of currency that is not necessarily cash. Um, <laughs> so I learned about travel hacking in my very first job. So this was around like 27, 2018. And I would overhear coworkers like talking about travel hacking, talking about the points that they were earning and getting this card and doing this. And they were going these places. And I didn't really know what it was, right? Until I kind of just like started overhearing more, talking to them more. They would be like, oh yeah, you should like look on the points guy, doctors of credit, right? They were talking about blogs that they follow, right? So it was really like over overhearing water cooler <laughs> conversation. That's how I learned about travel hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just continue to stick with it, continue to follow blogs. Um, follow other influencers who I felt like were sharing good tips around it. Um, And then just making it my own, just like trying it, right? Opening up my first travel rewards card, earning points, and then realizing like, oh, wow, this is like, this is lit. Like, this is is actually really lit. Yes. Um, And then, and then I think, you know, as I, as I became especially more financially savvy, um, and then would go on trips, even with friends. And they would be like, yeah, my flight costs $500. And I would be like, my flight costs 87. And they would be like, what? what? Like, yeah, I use points. Yeah. And they would be like points. Right. So it, it, then it started to become a conversation also with friends and other people I would travel with when they would like lament about how much they paid to travel. And I would be like, yeah, I paid like a third of that. And they'd be like, wait, what? So that is also how I started to see that this was also a topic that I needed to talk more about on finance 
because I didn't see it. I didn't, I still to this day do not know many young black people who talk about travel hacking mm. in ways that like are accessible for people, not just, mm. yeah, open up a bunch of credit cards and then you'll have all these points, right? But like also acknowledge that like not everyone has excellent credit. Yeah. Not everyone has, not everyone wants to go through some of the more complicated ways of like earning points, right? So like really bringing it a level down for people. Um, so so yeah, that's kind of been what my journey is. And I would definitely say, again, mm-hmm. even though, yes, I'm someone who talks a lot about travel hacking, I still also put myself in positions and, and places to learn, right? So being in community with other travel hackers who are, you know, more advanced than me so I can learn from them, subscribing to other travel hackers, like membership lists so that I can also be in the know of changes and things that are happening, following the blogs, right? So I will also say when it comes to travel hacking, there is not this idea that like, oh yeah, you you can get to a point where you know everything, right? The industry is mm-hmm. constantly changing. Okay. Partners are definitely are constantly changing, right? Um, so if you are someone who is listening, who wants to be in the travel hacking space, I would say that it's about being a lifelong learner, right? It, it's good. about mm-hmm. continuing to just be in, in conversation in the community with people who are doing it so that you can, again, take the things that feel most salient to you and use them for your own benefit. That's good. That's good. And you talked about those water cooler conversations, kind of starting it. That's how I started like learning about, you know, all the ways that you could hack travel, honestly, at work in water cooler conversations. They're like, okay, you need this credit card. You need to go to the points guide. And I was like, okay, I'm typing this down so that I can go home and research this. So that's how I learned too. And, um, you know, being a constant learner, whether it's with personal finance travel or anything that you're doing, never feel like we, we're getting to a place where we know everything. I think that too, you've, you've talked about that with your personal finance journey and you're talking about it now. Um, so it's, it's just really interesting to hear that and, and ne- definitely necessary kind of in a field that we're in right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's also something that I, that I see in a lot of people that I admire that like mm-hmm. they, you know, some of the most talented people that I admire, like across industries, I think mm. one are always people who are willing to say, I, I, I want to be in the rooms where I'm not the smartest person. Mm-hmm. Um, two, willing to invest in people who are the relevant experts, right? Like a great example is Beyonce, right? If yeah. you watch the homecoming documentary, then you know that she scoured the country and really the world for <laughs> other artists that were experts in the craft that she wanted to produce, right? She didn't get up there thinking, oh yes, I can create everything together, but had a massive team of people that helped bring her vision together. And that's very much how I see myself, even with finance, right? That like, mm-hmm. even to this day, I still invest in other people who I consider to be like my board of directors, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know everything about partnerships, but if I know that I have a friend or a colleague who is an expert in that, then I'm going to pay her for her time and service so that she can help me with my media kit and help me with my pitches. So that's one less thing I have to do. Right. That's good. I don't know everything about business, but I can invest in a business coach who can help me break down kind of like my vision into something that is going to continue to be scalable. Right. I don't know everything about Instagram and social media marketing, but I can invest in a woman entrepreneur who is a super badass and like, I love her content and I know that she knows what she's talking about. Right. So I think that's also like what has helped me continue to like grow, evolve and excuse me, and stay ahead of 
um, and stay ahead of the curve because I'm always in a position where I feel like I'm learning from other people um, and then figuring out, okay, how do I take what I'm learning from this person, translate into something that feels right for me and then share that with someone else who may be able to take it and, and go with it, right? That's good. That's good. That's so good. Investing in, we talked about saving and investing, but investing in your board of directors. Actually, um, on one of our previous uh, shows with Kyle Stewart, you guys, um, <laughs> we talked about that board of directors and in, in regards to kind of real estate and personal life, but having that board of directors and business um, in your personal life is so, so, so necessary. So, so necessary. Um, and you talked a little bit about um, you, credit cards. We said credit, cre- using credit cards to travel hack a little bit. Um, a lot of people will tell you if you have a board of directors, some pe- sometimes they'll be like, you know, credit is the devil. Get rid of those people, right? <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about um, earning rewards, whether it be travel, uh, credit card rewards, what have you, without going into debt? Yeah, so... So when it comes to travel hacking, it's definitely possible to do it without credit cards. But if you want to accelerate your earning potential, mm-hmm. travel or credit cards help you do that. Um, so I will say, and this is something you definitely will hear in my course, if you've taken a look at my travel course, uh, then you know that before we even get into the nitty gritty of travel hacking in, in the third module on travel hacking, I first start by saying that this lifestyle is not for you if you cannot pay off your debt in full, period. Uh, Period. Period. (laughs) And that is a cautionary tale that I tell to everyone that I come Mm -hmm. across, right? Because I've been there. I know what it's like Mm -hmm. to not be in a position where you can pay off all of your credit card debt and you're earning points. Yeah, but you also literally cannot afford to do it. It is not fun, people. It is not fun to wake up and realize that you are paying 16 and 18 and 22% on purchases that you made weeks ago. Like mm. it's, that's, it's, that's not it. That's not it. Right. And right. when you really, if, and if you're a very analytical person, if you really sit down and think about the interest that you would be charged on some of these purchases and compare that with the value of what you'd be earning in travel war points, you know that the interest is a lot higher than the value that you would be getting in, in these currencies, right? Yeah. Um, so I also think of it that way, that it's like literally paying interest to earn travel war points is working backwards. Like I don't yes. care how you slice it. So when it comes to earning with travel rewards cards to travel hack without debt, one of the big ways that you can do that is by only spending based on your already established expenses, right? Not going out of your way to spend, to hit spend minimums or to earn points. So I, when I've been in moments where I need to earn points or like hit the spend minimum um, on a new travel rewards card, I'll try to pay my rent with a credit card. I will try to think of some of my large expenses, right? We're approaching tax time at the time that we're recording this episode, right? So you can pay your tax bill with a credit card. You know, it's, it's something that you've already been saving for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have those big expenses that you're kind of already expecting, right? Like, like you know, repairs to your car or repairs to your home or childcare or gifts or, you know, birthdays or special moments and celebrations. You can also plan around those moments so that you know, okay, I know I have that big expense coming up that I've already been kind of planning for. 
instead of me using this debit card, let me use this credit card, pay off that expense and then pay it back, pay back myself with the money that I've been saving up over time, right? And then there are also dozens and dozens of other ways, right? And that's why I also have been saying that if you really love this travel hacking life, it yes. behooves you to be in community with other travel hackers because people are constantly sharing creative ways to travel hack without debt, right? I yes. can't tell you every single way that has worked for someone, right? Buying gift cards. I know, I know people, I, you know, I know other travel hackers who buy gift cards, right? So if you know that you need to hit a spend minimum by saying, okay, well, if I know I need to like get groceries or Airbnb spend, I'm just going to buy the gift cards to get that spend on this credit card, but then use the gift cards for the expenses I was already going to have, right? So there are dozens of creative ways, but it absolutely is possible to earn travel reward points without putting yourself into debt. It just requires a plan and a little creativity. So can you explain a little bit more about managing risk while you're traveling? Um, you talked a little bit about on your Instagram sites like Hopper, um, ski plagued, ski plagged, ski plagged. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was way off. So they aren't best with booking flights and managing risks. So can you go deeper into that conversation a little bit? Yeah. So this is also something that I talk about in my course, right? Um, that when it comes to different sites for finding cheap travel, you have to assess your own personal risk tolerance when you are thinking about booking super cheap travel, right? All cheap tickets mm. are not made the same. And I think especially in the climate that we're in now during COVID and immediately following the pandemic, we have to be mindful that booking and some booking travel in some instances mm -hmm. will not allow us to have our full leverage. So when it comes to reducing risk when it when um, booking travel, I will say that if you want to reduce the most amount of risk, you will book directly with the hotel, airline, or travel provider directly, right? So mm. when you book on um, sites like Hopper, right, that great, has mm -hmm. a great prediction tool, might be able to tell you, oh yeah, now is the best time to book. What you don't realize is that when you buy a ticket through Hopper, you're in a contract with Hopper, not with the airline. So if the airline makes a schedule change or cancels your flight or, you know, maybe you're on a nonstop and they put you on a connecting flight, you pretty much have no leverage to go to bat with the airline because you are in a contractual agreement with Hopper. You paid Hopper and Hopper paid the airline. Mm. Um, when it comes to a site like Skiplag, right? Skiplag is another site that helps you find hidden city fares. What that means is say you wanted to get to Chicago but there was a cheap way for you to fly from New York to Chicago via a flight from New York to Phoenix, right? So a hidden city fare means that the plane is going to stop in Chicago and you're going to get off, right? But what you don't realize is that even though it's not illegal, technically doing that violates the airline's contract of carriage because you are technically not flying to that final destination. It also gets really funky if you are in a position where you have luggage, right? Skip leg is probably the best situation if you have very little luggage whatsoever. But there have even been times when, right, think about times where you boarded last on a plane and had carry on, had a carry-on bag that couldn't fit under the seat. If the, if the upper, you know, if the overhead bins are full and they have to gate check your bag, 
you're going to be in an issue because your bag is going to go to that final destination, not where you're going to get off. Right. So that's just another example where it's just like, I don't think people always think about some of the more risky things that definitely are possible, especially now where travel continues to be under pressure. The airlines are under pressure. The hotel chains are under pressure. So I always want to reduce the most amount of risk by booking directly with the hotel or airline directly, because then that's when you have leverage. The hotel or airline Fs up, you can, you know, speak directly to someone at that, um, you know, at that company, escalate if you need to, escalate all the way up to corporate. But when you book through other sites, you don't have that same amount of leverage. So you're really relying on those providers to do right by you. And, you know, kind of what I, what I even saw from a bunch of comments that were left by people who followed me after that post, uh, which is on my Instagram feed. Looks like a lot of providers don't always go to back with consumers. So I always say reduce the most amount of risk. And if you are going to use an online site, especially for airfare, I love Google Flights because they will always take you directly to the airline. Um, And I also love sites like booking.com where, yes, you might be making a reservation, but a lot of times they have no prepayment required. So you've made a reservation, but you haven't paid anyone. You don't pay until you get to the hotel. So I love that also from like um, the perspective of saving in my travel funds, because then I know, okay, I know how much this hotel room is going to charge, going to cost me. I can save for that and then pay when I get to the hotel. That's good. So what about Expedia? Is Expedia one of the ones that you would recommend or is that one that is like Hopper or um, Skip Lag? Did I get it? Yes. Um, Where, um, you know, there's there's more risk in using something like that. So Expedia has has a much better reputation. I will definitely say when it comes to travel technology companies, Expedia is probably one of the best. Um, uh, and, and they do have a good track record when it comes to customer service. And even on the travel hacking side, Expedia has their mm-hmm. own rewards program. So if you are someone who books a lot of travel through Expedia, you can actually earn reward points through Expedia to offset the cost of future travel. So I would say Expedia is, is one that you could definitely consider. That's good. That's good. And so I, I think that you've probably got a lot of people who are like, I'm in, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, so with that, um, how do you start travel hacking with credit if you don't necessarily have the best credit? What would you recommend in that situation? Yeah. So I think if you are someone who is still kind of building your credit, Um, and you want to travel hack, I think one of the first things that you can absolutely do is sign up for as many loyalty programs as you can, right? Mm -hmm. Every hotel and major airline has a loyalty program and most of them are free. Sign up, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are ways that you can earn points even just by being a member that don't require you to have any credit card. A great example is Hilton, Hilton Honors, their loyalty program. They actually um, have a partnership with guest opinion rewards where you can take a survey. Your first survey will earn you 10,000 Hilton honors points. That is enough for a free stay, depending on the property that you're looking at. doesn't require any Mm -hmm. credit card. just requires you to be a member and take a survey, right? So that is a major hack, right? We already talked about Expedia rewards. You don't have to use a credit card to earn points through Expedia to offset the cost of future travel, right? Um, So, Mm -hmm. There definitely are ways that you can start travel hacking without 
credit cards. Another great one that I absolutely love is um, is Rakuten, right? Rakuten um, or sites like that that are like online shopping portals. You can earn travel war points just for online shopping. You don't have to necessarily use a credit card. You can use a debit card. Um, but as long as, you know, that purchase is registered through that portal, you can earn points, right? And there are portals for every loyalty program pretty much out there, right? Delta Sky Miles has one. Hilton Honors has one. So anytime you are online shopping, that's a really easy way for money you're already going to spend to earn some travel reward points um, in addition. So there definitely are ways to, to start travel hacking uh, without credit cards. But again, travel, travel reward cards will just accelerate your ability to earn points more quickly. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. And it's great to know that there are still options out there while you're building your credit. That's good. Absolutely. There are options, right? If you if you don't have great credit while you're building your credit, you can still travel and earn those rewards. Um, kind of like what you've done. You've traveled and you've hacked and you, you're moving to Tulum and you've moved to Tulum and you've been there for what, about a week? A or month. Two weeks, excuse me? A month? Wow. A okay. Time is just Really? That's awesome. Um, so how has it been for you so far? My move to Tulum has been really, really smooth. It has been um, very needed. I think just like getting a chance to recenter, to focus on the things that are most important, um, to be in a, in a space where I'm not distracted. So I'm really putting in the time and the work on the things that I've been delaying. Um, and just embracing a whole new lifestyle, a lifestyle um, of more rest, of more relaxation, a lifestyle where I'm even more active, right? Because I mostly bike to get around places, right? So wow. it, it's, it's been a really, a really great transition. And I'm, I'm very, um, very grateful that I had this opportunity to do this. That's good. So are you still working uh, a job like a, a, a nine to five job or just a particularly focused on finance uh, while you're while you're in Tulum? I am working a nine to five job and also building my business on the side. So I was, again, yeah. really, really lucky that I work for a global company where I can pretty much work from for any, from anywhere, even though I'm technically a New York uh, based employee. Um, and that was really the impetus for me even deciding to relocate and move, move out of the US because I felt like, okay, well, I'm sitting here in New York City, COVID is <laughs> not going anywhere, right? This was months ago that I was just feeling like, I really want to travel more, but I feel like it's not really, it's not probably in my best interest to keep going back and forth across the border. Why don't I just like pick another home base? Um, and Mexico immediately came to mind, right? I was actually thinking about Mexico City. But then after a vacation in Tulum at the end of last year, um, where I spent two weeks here, one week with a group of friends and one week solo, I really felt like I could spend more time in Tulum. Like it's just, it just, it's, a, it's just a really great vibe for me. Um, and I'll be honest, I really don't spend a ton of time in kind of the super ritzy touristy areas, but I still have had a really great time here. So yep, I'm still working full time and scaling my business on the side since I've been here. That's awesome. That's awesome. And how did you go about planning that relocation? You know, you talked a little bit about working for an international company. So that conversation was probably elsewhere. But it, as we're talking about finances, how did you financially plan for that relocation? 
Yeah. So um, I actually worked with an expat coach. I worked with Amber C. Edwards of 30 Day Black Fit. And she is a Black woman expat coach who helps and centers her business around Black women, um, but helps Black folk in general uh, relocate from the U.S. to new homes abroad. So I was part of her inaugural cohort. And I was (laughs) in the community with... um, six other black women who were also kind of in a similar place of kind of relocating. So another woman also went to Mexico with her young son, um, mm-hmm. uh, some, uh, a group of sisters, three sisters, they relocated from the UK to Antigua, another woman, she and her mm-hmm. husband recently retired and are kind of like working with Amber to figure out their plan. Um, right. So, so it was also just like really affirming to like be in a space where, it's all black women and we're all talking about this and we're all kind of like sharing these experiences together. Uh, but yeah, working with Amber was absolutely a pleasure because we were, we went through the financial piece. We went through how do you kind of adjust your budget um, for this new lifestyle um, and everything else in between in terms of like packing, safety, finding like where I was going to live, right? All of those things. She really empowered me to, to help uh, with this journey. And that's probably also why it's been so smooth because I did not wing it. I worked with someone who, um, who helped me. And actually we chatted earlier. She, she sent me a message being like, congrats. It's your Tulum anniversary. Yay. <laughs> congrats. You did it. You've been living abroad for one month. So here I am. Yay. And you talked about that community, right? And that board of directors and investing in people who have the receipts. And part mm. of that, ha- that has made it such a, a smooth journey are the receipts and investing in those people, you know? So that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, and then were there any unexpected re- uh, expenses related to relocating that you're like, oh my God, I have to tell somebody this? That's a good question. I, I'm really trying to think. Um, I will say that, you know, I really lucked out when it came to like my housing and my accommodations. But I think something that folks should definitely prepare for when they are thinking about relocating um, and not even just abroad, but to any other places, right? You might get to a place and realize that place is just not for you, right? Like maybe you're doing a test run and you realize something, you know, that you just did not expect is really impacting your ability to live comfortably in that place. So I think always having um, you know, additional monies saved so that if you do have to kind of make an on the ground decision on where you're going to be like staying, if you have to like move into a different place, or if you just have that flexibility that you have the means to do it without having to feel like anxious about it. Right. Cause there's nothing worse than feeling anxiety over where you're going to lay your head at night. Um, so I would say, even though that didn't happen to me, I think that's something that folks should be aware of. I'm really trying to think though. I, I can't think if there are any unexpected expenses that occurred, um, since I came, it actually was quite the opposite. I expected that I would have to pay a security deposit for my apartment and then got here and they were like, Oh no, you don't have to. So that was more money in my pocket. That's nice. And uh, I mean, it's better to like over, you know, save or over um, kind of not analyze, but, you know, just do a little bit over plan. Yes. Then to be underprepared. There you go. Thank you. Absolutely. Helping me out. Helping me out. (laughs) That's what I do. That's awesome. (laughs) And you also said Tulum has kind of been like an eat, pray, love experience for you on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, And you asked, 
And to close this out, uh, you asked um, your followers five questions, but I'm going to pick three of them to ask you that I'm curious about. Um, what does your ideal life look like? Yeah, my ideal life is one of freedom where I have the freedom to choose where I live, what I spend my days working on, and um, and who is who is in my space with me, right? So um, truly leaning into location independence, truly, I think leaning into a lifestyle where I am my own boss and leaning into a lifestyle where when I expect to achieve financial freedom, having the ability to say, I choose not to work today. So that's what my yes. life looks like. That's good. And what are you creating? Right now I am creating a business that is going to help me get closer to that ideal life. So really awesome. investing in scaling my business now. Um, right. I think it's like followers does not equate to like having a strong profitable business. Um, so I'm yeah. really spending 2021 to really build my business, build that foundation. Um, and, and potentially, you know, take some risks. Like I am actively mm -hmm. working on my FU fund, which for anyone who's not heard yes. of that term, that is separate savings, yes. excuse me, aside from your emergency fund, it can be saved or invested. I do know people that invest their FU fund um, for the purposes of saying at some point, FU to this <laughs> job, FU to this life, um, I'm going to do what my spirit is calling me to do. So I've been feeling that a lot too, especially since coming to Mexico. I have been really feeling the tension around just working for a job that I feel like doesn't serve me anymore. It's, I think it served its purpose. And I think right now I'm really in a space where I really want to pursue full-time entrepreneurship and see what happens. So you never know that yeah. you might see a post on, on finance one day where I'm like, I have <laughs> a job, figuring it out. We'll see. That's, that's awesome. And being able to be in a position where you are comfortable doing that is definitely, uh, is, it's, it's worthwhile. And I think that you can operate too, when you have that backing, that financial backing, you can operate from a place of, of like, um, not necessarily a, a place of fear, but you have right. a certain amount of, of just confidence in yourself and what you're doing that it's like, you know, y'all can, y'all can try me today, <laughs> but today might be the day, but you have that confidence to be able to ask for what you want, go for what yeah. it is that you want, because you know that you're good on the flip side of things. So that is awesome. That is awesome. I hope that I see it soon. You know, I hope that I see it soon The quit my job post. Um, yeah. And then the last question um, that you asked that I want to ask you is what are you currently making space for in your life? Yeah, so I'm currently making space for um, a more active and holistically healthy life. So really making space to learn meditation, making space for um, a consistently a consistent active lifestyle, right? Um, and really making space for like, I guess like learning different ways to nourish my body. So like I've been talking with some people who are plant based and like. I'm really curious mm. about that and just kind of like seeing, you know, just kind of other ways of, of kind of existing that again, I, that I, th I think just probably felt like, ah, too, you know, too difficult, too <laughs> alternative based on my current yeah. previous life. But now that I'm here in Tulum, I'm just like looking at the price of produce, like, 
oh wait maybe <laughs> I should just do this because yes, produce and tulum is so inexpensive Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. So we're excited to go on that journey with you too. We know you're documenting, so we want to see, we want to see. Um, so in closing, I do want to ask you the last two questions that we ask everyone that comes on the show. And the first is, what is the best piece of financial advice or travel advice that you never received? So something that nobody told you, but you wish they would have. I think I wish someone would have told me earlier on in my journey that it's okay if you have to kind of create a tribe of people outside of your like immediate circle or your friends and family um, to get to, to the goals that you have for yourself, right? No one really told me that. It just kind of like started happening. But I think really early on in my journey, I wanted more of like, my close friends and family to kind of go along with, for the ride with me, but I don't think that they were ready. Uh, but I think as they started to see things happen in my life and things start to change and I started to talk about things differently and really walk with a different confidence that I didn't have before, many of them kind of started also shifting their mindset. So I wish someone would have told me earlier on that it's, it's totally okay and you should and to encourage me to find that tribe, those community of people, um, no matter who they are, that, that can kind of be that support. And we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but, um, yeah, but yeah, that, that's, that's definitely what I would say, because I think a lot of things have, have happened because I had other people that I could lean on, um, who were the right people for that. And then the last thing, the last question that I have for you is what's next? What's next? Yeah, so what is next for me is um, I will be here in Tulum until May and potentially extending my Mexico trip to visit other cities across the country. Um, I haven't quite figured out my plan, so I don't exactly know where. Um, <laughs> in terms of my business, I will be launching something new very soon that is going to help okay. more people. It's kind of taking people to the next level around. Okay. If you've taken my course and you know, some of the tricks and trade of how I affordably travel, how do we take that to the next level and like push past our fears of building wealth through travel? Um, and definitely it will center a lot of what I've been experiencing since relocating abroad and a lot of the questions that I've been getting pretty consistently since, since my move. Um, and I also have some like interesting partnerships that are in the works that I, um, that I can't wait to kind of share more publicly. Um, so yeah, but I think what's next is definitely, you're definitely going to see your girl continuing to travel more, uh, you know, leaning into like what sustainable travel looks like for me. Um, and then just continuing to show what it's like to be on this wealth building journey, even if it, you know, follows an unconventional path. Of course, of course. That is awesome. And we're here to follow you. So thank Yay. you so much, Sunia. It has been great talking to you. I know you have a course and Instagram, yes. all that stuff. I'm going to link in the show notes, but thank you so much for stopping by. Yes. Thank you so much, Candice, for having me. This has been a really great conversation. 
And uh, please, if anyone does connect with me on Instagram, shoot me a DM and let me know that you heard me here. Thanks so much. All right, so that was such a wonderful episode, and we're so thankful for Sunia for coming on the show and also providing that great travel advice for when outside opens up, because listen, I got to take advantage of all of these opportunities. All right, so as usual, we have our top 10 tips, so let's go ahead and get into it. So the first tip is getting good with money requires some deep emotional and spiritual work. The second tip is make sure that you have a good, like-minded community around you. The third is get a financial coach or someone you trust to help you manage your money and achieve your financial goals. The fourth is create a saving, investing, and debt repayment journey that works for you. The fifth is when building a brand, it is important to invest in people you can learn from. Make sure they have receipts though. The sixth is continuously put yourself in places to learn and bring in experts to help build your board of directors. The seventh is do not start credit card hacking if you cannot pay off your credit cards in full at the end of every month. The eighth is when booking cheap travel, you have to assess your risk tolerance to reduce risk Book directly with the partner. The ninth is if you have bad credit or don't want to travel hack with credit cards, you can also sign up for as many loyalty programs as possible. And the 10th and final tip for us today is when relocating, always have additional money saved to have the flexibility to move or do whatever is necessary. All right, so that's it for today. Remember, we are saving, investing, paying off debt, and living our best lives over here with Banks and Commentary. So make sure you're doing the same. All right, we'll see y'all next week for that season finale.